Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. One more time, let's just invite the Lord to come, be in our midst, open his word to us uh, that we can receive it and put this into practice. And so, um, Lord, I just confess my humanness, my weakness this morning, Lord. I, I thank you that you are God who heals. And so, Lord, thank you for healing in Jesus' name just over this headache. And um, Lord, just thank you that in the midst of the distractions that can come in life in so many different forms, God, that you are just ever present with us and that you help, help us sift through difficulty and distractions because you are present and in our midst. And so God, thank you for what you have to say to us this morning. And God, I just pray, especially like always, Lord, would, would we put it into practice, but I pray, pray especially this morning, God, that we would feel equipped to participate with you in the advancing of your kingdom. Thank you that you're always with us, that we're not alone, um, and even in our weakness, that's actually a good thing because you are strong in us. We learn to rely upon you as we fulfill what you've called us to do. And so God, we just commit our hearts to you in this moment, but we just intend to be participants in the advancement of your kingdom. And so come and do this in our midst. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, well, we've spent about a month unpacking this idea of God's kingdom and advancing his kingdom. And so week one, we just defined it. And if you remember nothing else from week one, the basic idea of the kingdom is this. It's the place where what the king wants done gets done. And so in our present day and age, we get to choose to participate in God's kingdom by taking my area of influence, my mind, my heart, my home, relationships that I have an impact on, and saying, Lord, you come rule and reign here. You be king in my life. And I surrender my will to your will. And so that's the idea of kingdom. And so he is the ultimate king and what he wants done is ultimately gonna get come, gonna get done. And one day he's coming on the clouds and returning in fullness, in fullness. But here and now he wants his kingdom expanded and he wants people to choose to say yes, to choose to enter into his kingdom. And so that's our launching off point. We need to understand kingdom and we need to choose to live under his rule and reign. So then moving into week two, we talked about how the real power of the kingdom is in obedience. Like that's where the real power lies. Like God does miraculous things in us and through us, absolutely. But the ultimate real power of the advancement of the kingdom is people who are willing to be obedient. And as we learn to be obedient, our lives are changed. We're transformed. Our character is developed. And then it creates a pathway for people to experience Jesus in us. So when we get to a message like this morning, we're talking about really sharing our faith. Our lives are proclaiming him. Not as perfect people, but as people who have been touched by Jesus and are being changed by him. And so obedience is the power of the kingdom. And so then the last couple of weeks, we've really talked about just some ways that that begins to then, then flow out of us towards others. And so Crystal did a phenomenal job a couple of weeks ago talking about God's heart for our neighbors 
And then Andrew shared last Sunday about God's heart for the nations. And listen, that's a broad range, right? The person that's right here and the person that's on the exact opposite side of the globe. And yet by the power of God, I can participate in that. It's not my responsibility to reach every person, but God does want me want to involve me and you in the process of reaching neighbors and nations. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look primarily in Luke chapter 10. So you can turn there if you would like. Um, but we're going to pull from some other similar passages throughout the Gospels um, to look at Jesus sending us out to share the kingdom. And so just to kind of give us a sense of where we're at before we jump into this, you know, Jesus went town to town, village to village, sharing kingdom. He touched people's lives in very practical ways. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He set captives free from demonic oppression. Like he met physical, practical needs. But all along the way, his point was God's kingdom is present. It's near, it's at hand. And he was teaching people about God's present kingdom. And so then as he invested in really intentional relationships with the disciples and others, he sent them out. And so some, if you wanna jot down in your notes, you can get mine downloaded later this week. Um, in Matthew 10, in Mark 6, and in Luke 9, the chapter right before this one, Matthew 10, Mark 6, and Luke 9, um, we see some parallel passages where Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples in pairs and he used similar terminology. Go and share the kingdom. And it, it says that he empowered them to impact in miraculous ways. Like to pray that people would be healed and see him healed, to see people set free from oppression. And so he sent them out. And now the passage we're gonna look at, the circle's expanding so Jesus has been doing this. He sent out the 12. And now we're going to look at where he then sends out 72. And so one of the things that I hope we see this morning is that, is that we connect this with what he's called all of his followers to do everywhere. Because what he practiced in his earthly ministry, himself to his 12 to his 72, it spread out as disciples poured into disciples who reached people. And that's what the Great Commission is all about that we've read over and over again throughout this series where we're all called to go and make disciples. And so let's look at these 72 that are sent out. Um, so um, the first thing I want you to see as we jump into this is now Luke 10, just verses one and two. So after this, the sending of the 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them on ahead of him. I love this. He sent them to do something that he was going to participate in. We're in this together, but he wanted them involved. You go do this and I'm gonna be joining you there. I love that. So he sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. That is something the Lord is still doing. Every neighborhood right here in our own backyard, Jesus is on the move, seeking people, reaching people at work. And friends, what I want you to hear this morning is this isn't just a cool story that maybe I can draw some stuff from. This is the same thing he's still calling us to do. 
to go out town to town, city by city, to places where he is active and at work and participate. Verse two, and he said to them, so this is like step one. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So what should we do about that? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Friends, the very first step in advancing the kingdom is being people of prayer. That's step one. The need is present. He wants us to be a part of meeting that need. But the first step is being people of prayer. Why is that? Well, like number one, I'm co-laboring with Christ. He's already working in people's lives. So if we are being called to share our faith, he's not sending me out by myself. He wants me to participate with him. So like maybe I should talk to him about what he's doing. Listen, this seems maybe simple and foundational. Like, well, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go share my faith with people so I should pray for them. Like you are praying for them, but you're praying for you. Have you ever thought about the, the, what he's describing here? He's saying to them, I'm sending you. Tommy, I'm sending you. Bart, Bill, I'm sending you. And he says, now you know what you should do? Go pray for laborers to, to the harvest. Well, who's the laborers for the harvest? Them, <laughs> just the people in this section. No, like all of us, right? Like, Listen, we absolutely should pray for the lost that we're reaching out to. No doubt about it. But friends, we need to pray for the laborers. Jesus is saying the harvest is there. I'm sending you to go pray for people to go. Now, I want you to see this isn't just an isolated moment, okay? There's a reason I stopped at the beginning and said, like, Jesus did this and the 12 and the 72. I want you to see how Jesus practiced what he preached here. Okay, so let's go now to Luke's gospel, chapter six. So just a few chapters before, as Jesus is really moving into his ministry and there's people that have been following him, um, probably like these, these 72, like there's probably 100, 120 people, like there's people around him. And now he's identifying some co-laborers who are gonna lean in to participate with him. And look what he does, Luke 6, 12 and 13. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Jesus prayed in very specific ways for laborers. He, he took a whole night and just said, Lord, look at these people you've brought who are near me, who are with me, who are learning from me. They've come into your kingdom. They are a part of this growing thing that is happening as I'm declaring kingdom. Here's some people involved in it. And he prayed over those specific people who were around him. And at the end of a night in prayer, there were 12 that were highlighted. And the passage goes on to name them personally, specifically. Friends, we've got to move out of the theoretical and move into like tangible, real, practical. Jesus, these people in this place, 
Like, what if I thought about my, my own life and my own area of influence? And like, like, I want to think this way more. Like, as a pastor, like, Lord, I see need. I see opportunity for us to reach people, to reach this community, to even minister well within the body here. And like, I, I'm reminded so often, like, before I rush into problem solving, figuring it out, working out the details, scheduling the trainings, all the stuff, it's like, hold on, we need to pray. We need to ask God to highlight and identify who's the people he's calling to step up and to see the kingdom advanced. And so Jesus practiced this. He prayed. Then not only that, I love this. The next thing we see as he's ministering, as he's going, I want you to flip over to Matthew 9 now. Jesus is, is living this out. And I, I want you to see his heart, like why he feels compelled to pray for laborers. I want you to see his heart. Matthew 9, 35 and 36. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. I want you to, to remember those words, what he was doing. Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looked at the lost and the hurting and he had compassion for them. Friends, part of, part of beginning to pray and talk to the good shepherd about those he cares about is we begin to get his heart for the issue. Lord, would you help me as a co-laborer have your heart, have compassion for the lost? Listen, this, this can be hard to do. If you're like me, I get discouraged when I look at what's happening in our society and culture. And it's easy for that discouragement to lead to hopelessness or even like anger. Like I'm, I'm mad some of the compromises that are happening and the direction things are going and Friends, we, we have to foster this shepherding heart that has compassion on lost people. How am I gonna reach somebody for the kingdom if I'm just mad at them? <laughs> we gotta cultivate that. And then what I want you to see is like, this motivated Jesus to, to, to share the kingdom, but he realized, I need some help. There's this huge crowd. I need more shepherds. And so I want you to see, we've got to put scripture in context. Like, like just big picture on its own is Jesus praying for laborers for the harvest? Yes. But I want you to see right here, he's moved with compassion. He sees the need. He's doing something about the need. And he's going, we need more shepherds. And so moved with compassion, the very next verse, verse 37. Then, the word then is there for a reason. In response to seeing the need and his compassion for it, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his 12 and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. He gave them what they were gonna need to do the job that was ahead. 
Jesus looked and said, I'm here, the good shepherd, the perfect shepherd, and I need help. I need other shepherds who will see the lost and have a willingness to come alongside and shepherd hearts. I'm looking for that. And then he told his disciples, hey, as I'm sending you, you start praying this way. Friends, if, if, if we start, as we start, I should say, not if, as we start more and more to see ourselves as a part of this, God's calling me to shepherd in relationships right here around me, to my neighbors and the nations. He's calling me to this. And as I lean into this, I am becoming an answer to a prayer Jesus is praying. And then as I participate with him, I'm going to realize really quick, like I need some help too. Like there aren't enough of us out here. Like let's expand that territory. And so I'm praying not only for myself, but for others. And this, this prayer can begin to create like a movement, momentum. It's like a snowball effect. God, send labors. Send labors. Let me pray for that. And then I, I become an answer to that prayer. And I pray for other people. And then I begin to see people around me become an answer to that prayer. And we get to participate in this miraculous thing. And so we see this snowball starting to roll down, down the hill here. And so he has his disciples praying this way. And then now we're back to where we started. I wonder, I, I know we just get bits and pieces of the story. I wonder how many of the 72 were a direct result, not of Jesus' prayers for laborers, but the disciples' prayers. Think about how cool that is. I wonder how many of those 72 were people that the 12 were outreaching and they're like, well, I can only reach 72. That's all I could get. In fact, you divide that by 12, which I didn't do the math ahead of time. And so I'm on the spot here and this isn't good. Six, awesome, thank you. I'm trusting y'all. All right, they each reached like six. Listen, on one hand, six feels great. Like the average American Christian, I realize that's a really broad term. And usually like somebody who goes to church three times a year gets lumped into that. But the average American Christian doesn't even lead one person to Jesus in a lifetime. It's a real stat, Barna Group. So on one hand, six is a lot. But like on the other hand, if you're, if you're thinking, hey, we're gonna take Knoxville for the kingdom. Let's go, I'm gonna go do it. And some time passes and you're like, I got six. Man, this is really gonna take a while. <laughs> like it can be discouraging. It can be discouraging. And like I'm laughing about it, but like, like there's times where I feel like that. Like we're coming up on year seven here and I'm thrilled about what God is doing. And I'm excited about who's right here in our midst. But like sometimes I just look and go, man, six, seven years in, like a hundred people, like, Lord, is this, this happening? What's going on? But the point is that the 12 who reach six turn into 72. And I don't know if anybody wants to start doing some math on 72 times six. How many? Four, three. Tibor is the perfect person to have here this morning. I don't know if y'all have met Tibor. He's got the math brain. Say it louder. 432. 72 turns into 400 and, did I say it wrong? 472, cool. Like we got about 72 adults at this church. 72 adults reach six people. That's 432. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's so easy to feel like, how can I have an impact on this culture? 
How could, I, how could we reach the nations? Look at that 1040 window, window that Andrew gave us. Like, how can I do that? Listen, God has given me people right here in my own little area of influence, in my own backyard, right here in the city. Friends, I, I can tell you, we are committed to doing things a certain way here at this church. This church is not gonna impact the entire city of Knoxville by our worship and our preaching on Sunday mornings. That's not our goal. I'm not that good at this. That's not our goal. We're gonna reach people by the church being the church. By all of us saying, who are my five or six? Who am I gonna reach? Because the point isn't anyways about getting 432 people in this room about bringing 432 people into the kingdom. If they all go down the road at some other church, great. They're meeting Jesus. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to get this mindset. Like, and so this is, here's the funny thing. Like nothing I've said is overly complicated. God's going, hey, I'm at work around you in people's lives around you. I would love for you to participate in this. Start by praying. Pray for yourself. And then pray for other people who maybe you'll link arms with and watch what I'll do. He sees the great need. He sees the many who need him. He has compassion on the crowd and he doesn't pray for them. He prays for people that will go to them. Do we get it? People of prayer. Because if we're becoming people of prayer, it will lead us into being people of action. So the next two things are kind of things that flow out of this. We're gonna talk about being people of peace. And then we're also gonna talk about being people of power. People of peace and people of power. And friends, both of these are rooted in where we've started. It's rooted in being people of prayer. And it's rooted in joining Jesus and what he's already doing. See, one of the biggest obstacles I think for a lot of us is, man, we just don't feel prepared. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I have what it takes. I'm nervous about sharing my faith. Or I'm even envisioning like, like when I think about sharing my faith, I think about going out into a world and I'm just meeting like Mr. Angry atheist guy, and it's just gonna be this huge argument. I'm not gonna know what to say and have the right words to convince him. And it's just like, and so I just give up. Like, it's like we imagine fake people. And so what I hope you hear next is when Jesus sent them, he gave them some kind of very, a very simple, clear way to do this. Let's, let's stop imagining obstacles and recognize opportunity. Because what Jesus talked about next was about people of peace. And so this is now same passage, Luke chapter 10, verses three through eight. So you're prayed up, you're sent out, go your way. I love that. Just simply that, go your way. Go go to the specific unique places where you're gonna go. Go your way. I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So he acknowledges there are some obstacles. It's gonna be difficult. But here's how I want you to deal with that. Go out as lambs in the midst of wolves Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. What's the point of that? 
Oh, there you go. You got an idea? That's, that's it right there, David. I love that. Lighten your load and I'm going to equip you. Like, it's so easy to feel like there's this huge, heavy burden to go do this. And Jesus is like, you don't need anything because you have me and therefore you have everything. Learn to rely upon me. The very act of stepping into this will put you in the place where you'll need me. Like by being willing to go, I'm putting myself in a place where I'm gonna need his help. And he's saying, you've got enough. You don't have all this huge burden to carry. You don't have all this stuff you gotta bring to the table. And in fact, it can even be a distraction sometimes by trying to take care of it all yourself and make sure you got every little thing worked out. Just go, I'm with you. And then watch what he says, because he's gonna, we can be reliant upon him right? We, this leans on prayer again. I'm reliant upon him. Now, here's what I do. Verse five, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon, rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the labor deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Listen, he's saying like there's opportunity right here in front of you. Step into open doors with people whose lives are open to you. It's not a specific phrase. Like I walk up to people like peace be on this house and see if they respond with the right response. Like, no, it's just like there are people whose lives are already open to you. Like when you imagine sharing your faith don't imagine like these vague, mysterious doors I need to kick down and go through. Like, Lord, I'm praying about this harvest that's around me. Like, would you help me have eyes to see who are the people right here around me? Think about neighbors. Think about coworkers. Thinking about the same lady you see at the checkout line over and over week after week at Kroger. And like, man, I kind of know that person a little bit. And we've had a few little interactions. And I even, I even know her name. I don't have to look at the name tag anymore. Like, or maybe it's your coffee shop you go to, whatever. Like, think about the people of peace in your life. I'm, I'm not saying there's never a moment for us to share our faith in a way that's gonna be a little more challenging where there's like somebody with a wall or an obstacle. I'm just saying like, kind of the main approach is relational. Because remember where this all started? Jesus saw sheep who needed shepherds. Shepherds know and love sheep. There's a relationship there. Sheep learn to trust the shepherd. And so begin to look around at your life and go, Lord, where are my six? Who are those people around me? And see, this, this touches both neighbors and nations because some of this is like, maybe I know some people who are in other nations. Maybe I know some people who know some people who are in other nations. Maybe God will uniquely call me to come participate physically in some way. Maybe I can participate through prayer in some way. Maybe I can participate financially. But if we, if we tend the people of peace in our lives, if we see them and then go, Lord, how can I begin to love and encourage this person? How can I just participate during the course of life? Who is open to us? 
And so what I want to do is I want to take a couple minutes to give you some tips. As we begin to identify who are people of peace in my life, here's some ways we can begin to walk that out, all right? And I would encourage you, soak in this a little bit on your own. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. There's a lot of stuff in here about us being sent and how we can participate in this. So verse 1, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. See, I love one of the things Jesus said was like, camp out there. Like there, there's a place for like the chance encounter and you share, you know, a little, that sound bite of your testimony and see if there's an open door there. But like a lot of, a lot of sharing our faith is like investing in people whose lives are open to us over the course of time. Like keep returning to that house. Like, this isn't about a quota. Like, I realize I said, let's think about our six, but this isn't like, okay, guys, I'm expecting that by the end of this week, you will have all brought somebody to Christ and they're gonna be sitting next to you here next Sunday. This isn't a quota. It's people that we love and care about our relationship with. And so don't lose heart. Hang in there. Give it time. Be present with them. See if they'll, they'll have you in their home. Invite them into your home. Like it's relational in nature. Listen, our life groups should look like this. I'm glad that people within the body have a place to go in life groups, but like part of why our life groups need to be open is like they're welcoming in people who don't know Christ. And I was like, hey, here we are in a living room. Like, let's talk. Let's encourage each other. Let's get to know one another. Hey, we love Jesus. Let's talk about him a little bit together. Like it's a, it's a communal place. And so we don't lose heart. It's so easy to get discouraged along the way. Don't, don't get discouraged. Verse two, this is so important too. But we have, re- but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. This is really simple. It's the simple truth of the gospel. I don't compromise it. I don't bend it. I don't flex it. Like the way we reach people is not this weird way that a lot of the church is trying to reach people right now, which is changing the gospel, watering it down, trying to make it more palatable. Like that doesn't help lost people. Telling someone who's dying of cancer, oh, you're fine and patting them on the shoulder and at least want you to feel happy while you're dying of cancer. Like they, they need the solution. The gospel is good news from a compassionate, loving God. I don't need to apologize for the gospel. I need to be present with people, love people, hang in there with people and faithfully share the truth of the word. That's it. That's it. Listen, when we think about equipping ourselves to to help people have real obstacles, we already have what we need right here. We've talked about so far. I can pray for them. So God's gonna help give me what I need. I can pray. I can be present and hang in there for the long haul. Like maybe I don't have all the answers all the time, but I can keep pointing to Jesus. And so I can, I can, I can share an uncompromising truth and I can live an uncompromising truth. I love Dave Buring's description of this. Like, what is our witness? We talk about sharing our faith. What's our witness? I love the way he defines it here. 
Our witness is the total package of who we are all the time. Our values, our character, our attitudes. That one got me this week when I read that. (laughs) Attitudes, oh man, mine's pretty bad sometimes. I've had a rough attitude all week actually. Um, How we relate to people and our actions. And so if we'll be present with people, being who God's called us to be, sharing the truth of his word, we have an opportunity to have an impact. Paul continues on, verses three and four. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen, there are just real challenges and obstacles for people. And as I equip myself for some of what those obstacles may be for other people, if I'm just equipping myself to win an argument, I'm, I'm missing the point. There, we all have obstacles to coming to Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what gets in my way, my pride and stubbornness. It still gets in the way. Pastor for all these years, I, I still get in the way sometimes, just in my flesh. Like we all have obstacles. And then those who don't even know him, who haven't met him, there's so many obstacles. There's misperceptions about who God is. There's ways the church has even misrepresented him. There's their own struggles and hangups that are unique to them individually. And if I'm just putting people into stereotypical categories, I'm missing it. But if I'm sitting with people and I'm present with people, I'm getting to know them personally and I'm loving on them and I'm, I'm just trying to, to be Jesus to them, then I can pray for them, Lord, the unique ways that it's hard for them to see you, to see your love. God, would you reveal yourself to them? If you can use something I say, great, but God, would you reveal yourself to them? And so we, we, we're just present with people, recognizing there are real obstacles, but, but Jesus wants to shine through. And that leads to the last few verses here, verses five through seven. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what do we have to offer? Verse seven, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's his power at work. It's his light that shines in darkness. I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to have all of the answers. I have the answer and it's Jesus. Guys, is this this making sense? Like, let's just, let's lean in. Let's be present with people. Let's pray for them. Pray that God would shine a light into darkness. If he wants to use something I might say or share, great. But like, listen, I'm just a jar of clay. I've got my own places of brokenness and weakness. I need his power in my life. There's times where it's shown up in miraculous ways. I can share that. There's times where like, I'm still struggling. You know, Part of the uniqueness of all of this is like a lot of Jesus' ministry, we saw miracles happening and miracles do still happen. The power of God operates in that way. 
Paul goes on in this passage to talk more. And what he starts to talk about next is like the opposite of things going well. He starts talking about suffering and enduring and in difficulty. But friends, the beauty is that Jesus' power is present whether we're struggling and not seeing things go well or we're seeing miraculous things take place. And so that, that leads to our last point, being people of power. Guys, we have what we need because Jesus is with us. I want, I want you to see over and over again, not only what he was doing, but what he gave us. I'm just gonna read these quickly. Luke 10, nine. It's the very next verse after he sends them out and tells them to be people of peace. He just says, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Do, do you hear that? And when you think, okay, I can pray for people. I think I've got that. Okay, I think, I think it's a little scary, but I think I can step into like seeing people of peace in my life that are open to me and being present with them. I think I can do that. Cool. Now my job is heal the sick and share the kingdom. I'm out. <laughs> and I think sometimes we forget like Jesus laid these things out that would feel bigger than us because they are. And he, he actually wants us to learn to rely upon him. See, I'm convinced, you know, there's probably multiple reasons why it feels like we don't see a lot of miraculous things happening in our culture. One is, I think sometimes we miss them and don't acknowledge them when they are happening. One of the things I've been really grateful for in my life group is I think, I think we do a pretty good job of like, we're praying for each other and we keep like a text chain going of the things we're praying for. And then every now and then we get to stop and go, look, God answered that. He did that. Look how he answered that prayer came through in that moment. And like, we need to celebrate those things. So sometimes I think we miss the power of God at work. But listen, I think part of why we don't see miraculous things happen is like, I don't expect them to happen. In fact, I don't even put myself in the place to need to rely upon him to come through. I'd rather do the things that I can handle instead of the things that are gonna need him and only him. It's scary to pray for somebody to get healing and then see them not get healed. And go like, God, does this mean they're not going to trust you? They're not going to receive you? Like that, that's not on me. That's on him. And so as I sit with people and I'm involved in their lives and like they're struggling with something, I can do simple things like say, hey, can I pray with you about that? Pray with them right there. Or let them know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be praying for you maybe I'll see something miraculous happen right there in that moment. Maybe over time, as I, as I live that out in front of them, as I continue to trust God, even when it's not obvious, it has an impact on them. The fact that I, I trust Jesus and I believe he cares and I believe he touches lives and I'm giving people a taste of the kingdom. We can put ourselves in these places to see this happen. Just for time's sake, I'm gonna skip the next two verses, but I was just gonna highlight again what we already read, where Jesus went town to town helping people. People were healed, people were set free, and he shared the kingdom. And then he used those exact same words to encourage the disciples to do the exact same thing. I wanna wrap up with this, Luke 10. I'm gonna go down to the last verse, Andrew. Luke 10, 17 through 20. Kids, y'all are doing great. Y'all are doing, aren't they doing so good this morning? 
Luke 10. So the 72 have gone out and they've had impact. And by a miracle of God, they saw miracles happen. And so they come back rejoicing. And I just want you to see this. Luke 10, 17 through 20. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Friends, the real power is the power of God to change lives, to bring people into his kingdom. When I talk about operating in the power of spirit, I don't mean miracles for the sake of miracles. I don't mean miracles for the sake of going, yeah, look at what I was able to do or no. It's about having love and compassion for people who are in need, recognizing that Jesus cares about people who are in need and wants to touch their lives. And that the ultimate thing that needs to be healed is people need Jesus. People need to be reconciled in a love relationship with the God who made us and loves us and has designed us to be eternally connected with him where he meets every need for all eternity. And so he'll give us what we need. If I commit myself to prayer, if I choose to look around and go, Jesus, who are the people of peace in my life that I can reach out to? Then I can learn to put myself in places where I'm gonna need to rely upon his power. And we'll see it. We'll see it. Some of the most joyful moments in my life are watching ways, even in small ways, God has used me somehow to touch somebody's life. It's unbelievable. Like one of my favorite things now, like years removed from youth ministry is when every now and then I see another person who was like, they were the biggest knucklehead in youth group. And I saw no fruit for years that I could see. I'm not talking about you, Savannah. You've been great from the start. <laughs> so fun. That wasn't in my notes, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Not Savannah. Savannah's been wonderful from the start. But like seriously, seeing that. But then finding out years later, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? He's walking with Jesus. He's faithfully married to his wife. He's raising kids who love Jesus. Like what? It's just amazing to see God's power work in people's lives. Jesus wants to see his kingdom advance. And guys, that is not the special unique role of Billy Graham or some other. Listen, there's a place for Billy Graham's. We need that. I'm not diminishing that. But like somehow as Christians, we've just decided like, what's well, for those people out there, those celebrity Christians that do? No, Jesus is calling the faithful 12, the faithful 72 to go into every town, go into every city. There are people's lives who are open to you. Share the kingdom. Share the life that you have in Jesus. Love people, pray for people and watch what God might do in us and through us if we do that. Amen? Can we purpose to live this way? As I close, I just wanna give you one last encouragement. As we move into November, we're talking about purpose and passion and gifting. We're gonna talk about the ways that God uniquely gifts us 
to do our part. That's where we're going. And so we will continue to be equipped by his presence and by his word to know how to reach people. There's unique ways he's made each of us to reach people in unique ways around us. And I'm excited to see how he equips us with that. All right? Well, let me pray. Lord, thank you for your kingdom that has come into our own lives personally. God, we're grateful for that. Lord, we know we're still in process and you're so faithful with us. You're patient with us. You love us. But God, thank you for your kingdom that has come and made an impact in our lives. Lord, would you help us see how we can participate with you from our neighbors out to the nations. God, not overwhelmed at how big the need is and not even overwhelmed by our shortcomings, but recognizing that you, you send us with nothing but you and you are enough. God, may we cultivate a heart that prays for people around us May we pray even for ourselves, the laborers, to have what we need. Thank you that you answer those prayers. Thank you that that you are the Lord of the harvest and you are the good shepherd and that you invite us to shepherd well relationships in our lives. Help us be people of prayer. Help us to have eyes open to the people of peace around us. And may we see in the midst of it that we're people of power in you. Simple jars of clay as we are, in you, we have what we need. We love you. God, would you give us a heart for our neighbors, for the city, for the nations. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.